Hello and welcome to the Powerhouse Politics Podcast. I'm ABC News political director Rick Klein. And I'm ABC News' congressional correspondent Mary Bruce. And that music you hear at the top, definitive proof that Jonathan Carl does not, in fact, play the music at the top of our show. Busted! John, John is busted. <laughs> he, is, he is off this week. He is on vacation. Working the spring break circuit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> spring break for, for John Carl, not at Mar-a-Lago, undisclosed location. But we are here in our ABC News studios in Washington, Mary, at another big week. It is a it is a week of flip-flops. It is a week of big, big blasts. And we even saw the Nazis make a little cameo uh, to, to just to top it off and make it interesting. Uh, but let, let's start with the big foreign policy uh, challenge ahead. We're going to be joined in a few minutes by the vice president's uh, press secretary, Mark Lauder, uh, works for Mike Pence. And Mike Pence is going to be engaged in a really interesting trip over the next couple of days. First stop on this big trip to Asia and Australia is South Korea. And we know the North Koreans are rumbling, and we know about that message that the, the Trump folks were trying to send, the mother of all bombs there in Afghanistan. It seems like you have a White House that's at least stumbling toward, beginning to find something of a Trump doctrine. Yeah, the, the mother of all bombs sending the mother of all messages certainly seems to be a much more uh, muscular doctrine on force coming out of the Trump administration. Remember, you've got this carrier now in North Korea. You've got this airstrike against Syria last week. Now this huge 20,000 plus bomb, $16 million bomb dropped uh, against ISIS in Afghanistan. It certainly seems that Donald Trump is sending a very clear message. And given all of the very red hot rhetoric uh, that we're seeing that's going to be greeting the vice president over in South Korea, coming out of North Korea, uh, it certainly is sending quite a strong message about military might. And the possibility of something we haven't seen yet, which is President Trump being tested, not just with provocations, but actual nuclear provocations, the possibility of a nuclear test as a potential game changer. There's been talk about preemptive strikes. I think that's probably overblown. But the message from the Trump White House is, and is going to be the message that they bring across Asia in the coming days, is that they'll stand with allies. uh, And that there's been I would say an evolution in the president's thinking when it comes to these threats. We saw it with his blatant flip-flop on Syria and the idea of, of using military force in Syria. Uh, Afghanistan, I think, is, is obviously an ongoing conflict, but using a weapon that we haven't used in the 15 years that the United States has had it. It, it seems like this is a president who's waking up to the world and the challenges of the world. And you're also seeing it in some shifting positions, Mary. I mean, this has been... We talk about flip-flops all the time, and of course, politicians always change positions, but you needed a scorecard in the middle of this week. Yeah, this was a lot. I mean, it was a lot to keep track of, and in a very short amount of time, I mean, from backing off the hard line against NATO, which the president says is no longer obsolete, to striking Syria after opposing intervention, to China, which the president says is no longer a currency manipulator, all of that came just within 24 hours. Now, look, the the, the White House says these aren't flip-flops, these aren't U-turns, you know, he's evolving, but there's no question that for a man who ran on an America First agenda, that he's turning away from that nationalist agenda. And it certainly seems uh, to reflect also what we're seeing inside the White House, right? The president uh, seems to be getting more advice from from certain advisors moving away from perhaps that uh, that Bannon-led nationalist agenda more to a, a globalist agenda, uh, perhaps being championed by his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, his daughter, uh, Ivanka. It, it, it's been quite a week and a lot of twists and turns for this White House in a very short amount of time. Yeah, and the palace intrigue does play into it because you, you saw President Trump uh, deliver a couple of interviews that seemed like just slapdowns to uh, to Steve Bannon, who, who has led that that nationalist wing uh, of the party and attacking the globalists inside the White House. But the globalists are winning, 
and they seem to be winning influence with this president because he has been shifting. I mean, the, the idea that he's not going to label China a currency manipulator, the idea that the Export-Import Bank is back alive, that Janet Yellen gets to keep her job, that you're in favor of low interest rates, on and on. And, and look, the White House explanation, and, and Mary, I know you, you asked Sean Spicer about this a little yeah. bit, is essentially that he can't flip because the issues have flopped toward him. Yeah. I don't know that that works. Well, and the big question also is what does – what message does this send to Trump's supporters? I mean, I asked John Spicer directly about this. You know, when it comes to China in particular, the president did not exactly mince words on the campaign trail when it came to speaking about China and the threat of China. Now to hear him saying that he and Chinese President Xi are bonding, that they're forming this close relationship. What does that say to Donald Trump supporters who thought he was going to get in the White House and follow through on all of that very tough talk against China? And and when I asked John Spicer that, look, he said that, you know, these these aren't shifts, as we've discussed, and that, that they say that all of these changes uh, are aimed at fulfilling the president's ultimate promise to those supporters to keep America safe and to get results for them. Yeah, and to get jobs, if that's the ultimate the, the ultimate goal, he's basically saying you don't need to do the things you needed to, you thought you needed to do before. And what's I think what's striking uh, about so much of this is that the president, as a candidate, was so cavalier in these statements, and he, he knew he knew how to get a crowd riled up. He doesn't seem to have taken literally his own campaign promises when it comes to, to these areas. And you are seeing this, this very rapid movement on a whole bunch of areas. And, and you might say it reflects maturation. You might say it reflects just getting new information. You may say it reflects the advice that he's getting. There's no question, though. That it reflects changes. This is not what he said he'd be doing. Yeah, and these are not; these don't appear to just be simple one-offs. Especially not when you're seeing this flood of them, uh, these flood of changes in, in position coming in such a short amount of time. This really seems to be much more of a change in mindset and a change, you know, in overall tone and direction coming out of this White House. And I'd be, you know, remiss if we didn't also talk about what it means for right here in Washington. You yeah. see, even on healthcare, um, a bit of, of changing in twists and turns, you know, especially when it comes to his legislative agenda. There seems to be some mixed messaging on, on what comes next. Remember, right after the, the, the first attempt, healthcare 1.0 uh, stalled and flamed out, the president said, we're moving on now to tax reform. You know, let's let's move on to the next big thing. Now he's saying, no, 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 we need to get get healthcare done first. And and so which is it? Is it healthcare? Right. Is it tax reform? What does that look like as well? Because, you know, remember, the clock is ticking. This president is barreling towards the 100 day mark. And while he's seen a lot of, you know, successes, you had Gorsuch being confirmed, a new Supreme Court justice. We obviously are seeing, you know, the strike against Syria. You still are missing a big legislative accomplishment, and that's something that I think this White House is acutely aware of. And that's and none of this happens in a vacuum. And we are barreling towards that hundred day mark, and uh, only a couple of weeks left. Another week of a congressional recess. This was the recess where, uh, of course, the White House was hoping members of Congress would go home and realize they made a big mistake on health care and come back and, and and change their minds. The, the this this idea of the president as commander in chief. I'm curious your take on this, Mary. You're up on the Hill. You talk to members. Is this sense among Republican members that they like what they're seeing out of the president's robust response on foreign policy? It's, it seems to me that there's – for folks who might have been questions about the president's leadership inside his own party, seeing him out there acting decisively may give them some, some heart. Absolutely. And, and of course, Congress has been off this week. But last week after the strike in Syria, 
that received a lot of praise uh, from both sides of the aisle uh, on Capitol Hill. A lot of people praising the president for taking decisive action. But the big question is what comes next? And remember, that strike was Thursday night and, and come Friday afternoon. Uh, a lot of lawmakers hadn't gotten you know any answers to that question of what is the broader strategy here? Does the White House even know what comes next? Not just that are they not sharing it with Congress, but do they even have a sense of that? And that's, you know, it's always the follow through. And that's what lawmakers are looking for. right now. And the strategy, as you mentioned, the, the, the idea of some of these strikes and some of this military action, we know that they're in response in some cases to specific provocations, specific actions, but the, the policy and the strategy seems to be lagging behind those actions. We don't know what the broader policy is for Syria. We've seen conflicting messages out of the White House. We don't even know what the broader policy is with Afghanistan. I mean, yeah. we, we know what this military action was and the target of it, and it seems to be aimed in, in part at, at, uh, at North Korea. So that's a piece of it that's just taken a long time to come into view. Absolutely. And Congress wants to be part of that conversation. Remember that even while they were praising the president for taking this decisive action, as many of them called it, they want to be part of the conversation. They want to be involved in this. And especially if it comes to a question of broader strategy, then authorization comes into play. They obviously, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, feel that it's important that they are part of that conversation. And so uh, this is going to continue to be a big topic of conversation, especially uh, when Congress comes back into session the week after next. And I want to just hit one other big item here because we mentioned a moment ago uh, how this relates to China. And the, the there was no country, maybe short of Mexico, that President Trump was as critical of on the campaign trail. Uh, almost a curse word when he when Yeah, he so I don't it. even know if we can repeat some of the lines that were set out there on the campaign trail about China. No question. But that must have been a heck of a good piece of chocolate cake. The, the, <laughs> the best chocolate cake. We, we need to get this recipe. I think we need to – Cecilia Vega is down there for us right now. Maybe she can bring us back She'll a piece. Sample some. I mean, the, the, this seems to have changed everything. And the remarkable – there's so many amazing things out of this, but it does seem to have changed the president's mind. And even in the story that he recounted about his, uh, about his dinner with uh, President Xi, he says he goes into it thinking, well, it's time you step on, up on North Korea. He says 10 minutes in, I realize, wow, this, this is complicated stuff. What a what Again, a stunning recognition yeah. from the president that, that that boy who knew it these things are really difficult these are complex issues and actually I asked Sean Spicer about this yesterday too noting you know the president told the Wall Street Journal that just a few minutes into that conversation you know with President Xi he realized this is not so easy did the president underestimate how difficult this was going to be did he not realize the complexities of this issue and of course you know Sean Spicer said no that's not the case but. It's hard not to to get a sense that there's a real uh, wake up call here that's happening. Yeah, I mean, just a, just a reality check for for all involved, uh, and and it, it is such an important time for this White House. I feel like we could say it any any week, but we're, we're, the, the fact that we're talking now at day eighty five or so, and not have the major legislative accomplishments, have the staff turmoil, uh, have this testing from the outside. It, it, there's a sense of almost an eerie calm in Washington, to my mind right now, because things could blow up in about 14 different directions at any moment, literally or figuratively yes. blow up. And let's also not forget not to, you know, just pile on here. But there's also this little thing known as a government shutdown that's moving. Oh, man. Um, but, just yeah. to, you know, in case you were hoping you could take a deep breath, uh, when Congress comes back into session, that clock is ticking. They've got about three days to before to figure out a way to fund the government. So you have that on top of all of these others, massive, massive challenges and questions. Uh, it is a, quite a to-do list when Congress comes back. When we come back, we'll talk to the press secretary for the vice president of the United States, Mr. Mark Lauder. 
Hey, it's Rebecca Jarvis, and I wanted to tell you about my podcast, No Limits. We bring you a new guest with a new story every Tuesday. We're talking to trailblazing women across a variety of industries to hear about how they've built success and carved a unique path. Again, the podcast is No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Just search No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis and subscribe today. And now to a man in the spotlight, a big trip coming up for the vice president of the United States, a man who will be on that trip and has known the vice president for a long time going back to Indiana, his press secretary, Mark Lauder. Mark, welcome to Powerhouse Politics. Well, thank you for having me. So, so Mark, let's start with the first stop. Uh, the, the, the vice president hits, hits South Korea to start this trip. What is the message to the South Koreans, given what we're hearing out of North Korea and given the, the, the changes that, that China's been putting forward as well, some rumblings there? And did that attack in Afghanistan, the mother of all bombs, did that, was that intended as, as part of the, the message to, to greet the South Koreans? Well, I think first and foremost, the the message from the vice president this weekend in South Korea is that the U.S.-South Korean alliance is a linchpin of peace and prosperity in the Asia-Pacific region. It is, you know, the U.S. presence and uh, with our allies in partnership, you know, is a cornerstone of uh, keeping the region safe. There will be a lot of focus on uh, the economic side as well as uh, on the national security side. But first and foremost, you're seeing in this trip President Trump's commitment to our allies in the Asia-Pacific region uh, that we are standing there with them in the the growing threat uh, that is posed by North Korea. We'll talk about that threat because the North Koreans, they've been making a lot of noises and they've been doing some testing. There's a lot of buzz about what might or might not happen this weekend. Understand no one really has any insight into what that regime is, is about to do. But how has this sort of moved around the priority list, the urgency list for the White House? How 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 imminent and urgent is this threat? Uh, and, and what's the what's the sense of needing to confront it? Well, we've se- we've seen a number of provocations and steps by the North Koreans, uh, you know, in recent years uh, that have threatened to destabilize the region. It's something that uh, you know President Trump places a very high priority on, and especially when you look at the the key economic partners that we have in that region, as well as from a national security standpoint, it's something that you know that the president uh, believes, and along with our allies, that we that we must stand together and address. Ultimately, it's going to take the global community coming together to apply the pressure to bring North Korea back into the world, uh, you know, into the world marketplace in good standing. And long term peace is only going to be achieved by denuclearizing the Korean peninsula. North Korea today is is warning that, you know, if the U.S. becomes more aggressive, that they will go to war if they want. I mean, this region is on edge. This nuclear test could come at any time. What can the administration and what can the vice president do, you know, over, over these next few days during this trip to try and take down the temperature? Well, I think that the most important message from, uh, you know, from the vice president on behalf of the president is that we have an ironclad commitment to stand with our allies in the region uh, in their defense. And uh, and those are the steps that you're seeing uh, from the administration as we go there on a on a on a mission to strengthen our ties together, whether that be economically or in a national security interest. We're there to grow partnerships and uh, to build better relationships. And the number one thing that we can tell uh, our allies and partners in Asia is that we are standing there with them. 
You'll obviously be there this weekend. There's lots of speculation about what the North Koreans may do, that we could be seeing the first uh, North Korean nuclear test under a Trump presidency. You've already drawn a red line. Is a preemptive strike here a possibility? Well, as President Trump has said many times, uh, you know, we're not going to telegraph what we may or may not do in terms of our military or when it relates to national security, uh, except to say that we join with the international community in calling for North Korea to take the steps necessary to abandon its nuclear and ballistic missile programs and, and rejoin the world community, you know, in good standing where we can all work together for a peace, uh, a long term peace. So just to be clear, a preemptive strike, not not a possibility. Uh, I'm not going to telegraph one way or the other. The the president, uh, you know, has been very clear that we are not going to telegraph what the the United States may or may not do. Um, You know, the thing that we're saying is that we are that we are there standing there in, you know, with an ironclad defense with our allies, as we have long pledged to do. Mark, I, I realize there's a lot of talk always about what is a presidential doctrine, what is the Trump doctrine, and it, those are kind of nebulous terms anyway. So I'm not going to ask you directly to define it. But when you take together the actions on the on the national security, foreign policy stage of of the last couple of weeks, even in just the last week, the the, the strike on Syria, the uh, the the use of this this major weapon in Afghanistan, what is the, the crisp message that Vice President Pence and that the Trump administration is bringing to the world about what President Trump intends to, to, to convey in foreign policy? Well, I think what you're seeing is, is America taking a leadership role on the global stage again under the leadership of uh, President Donald Trump. He said that we are going to make uh, defeating ISIS the number one priority. You're seeing steps uh, being taken uh, in that regard. You know, he acted decisively and quickly uh, in dealing with the, uh, you know, the atrocious uh, chemical attacks in, in Syria last week. So what I think the world is seeing is that under President Donald Trump, America is reemerging as a leader on the global stage. You're seeing a, uh, the world community, especially among our, our allies, applauding uh, America being back again in that position. And, and we're going to work in, in conjunction with our allies and partners uh, to make sure that the, that the American people stay safe, American allies stay safe, as well as our interests over, uh, around the world. Mark, the challenges in North Korea, obviously something the president wants to solve diplomatically. We've heard uh, him talking about his recent conversations with President Xi about this, you know, saying that he's offered President Xi more favorable trade terms in exchange for help confronting the threat of North Korea. The president obviously no longer labeling China a a currency manipulator. We were just talking about, you know, the message that all of this sends to the president's supporters. Given the tough talk that we heard from the president, from the vice president about China during the campaign trail, any concern? Uh, that what this sends to, to or what message this sends to the president's supporters that 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 they were hoping for the president and this administration to follow through on all of that tough talk. Well, I think the one thing you you heard overriding uh, throughout the campaign from the president and the vice president is that America is first. And he's also said, you know, on a number of occasions that, uh, you know, there's no higher priority than America's security. What you're seeing is the president putting the national security interests of the United States first and foremost, dealing with and taking the steps to defeat ISIS, taking steps to make sure that we are working within a global uh, framework to bring about the pressure that's posed the threat with uh, with North Korea. Um, 
you know, in one way, I would tell you that, you know, using the, the example that you used on currency manipulation, you know, we, while many people can focus on labels and process, what you heard the president say and is what you heard as a follow-up to the meetings over the weekend with the president of China and the follow-up calls that have taken place since is that we're actually dealing, that China is actually dealing with the issue of currency manipulation, which ultimately, as opposed to placing a label, they're actually resolving the problem in the first place, which is going to be to a benefit to American workers and companies that are seeking to do business in China. Uh, that's the key, not the label. It's, it's dealing with the, uh, the manipulation issue, which the president has said, you know, that China is taking uh, positive steps in that direction. And that's the kind of positive movement that we hope to see. And we hope to, that, as the president said, that China continues to do the right thing. But why then did the president focus on the label? He said he would do it on day one. It's right there. It's he's still on the website in his contract with the American worker. He would label China as a currency manipulator. It wasn't, I'm going to try to get China to stop manipulating its currency. It's, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make this, I'm going to label them currency manipulators. Well, again, you can you can talk, obviously, in terms of labels. What we've actually seen is positive results. And this is what the president is focusing on is getting results in that the manipulation of the Chinese currency, you know, has his uh, is ending, is in the process of being uh, as being handled. And that's better for the American people than 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 applying a label. It's actually dealing with the underlying issue, which will benefit companies and workers in America that are seeking to do business with China. And Mark, if we could get your uh, thoughts on, on an ongoing fight here at home on health care. The president now saying that he wants to, you're suggesting he wants to get this done before moving on to tax reform. The vice president has obviously been so central uh, to these negotiations. As you march towards that 100-day mark, is the vice president working the phones? Has he been reaching out to members of the Freedom Caucus trying to get those opposing Republicans on board so that you can get something done here in the next few weeks? Well, I, I wouldn't put a timeline on it, but the vice president has been very busy in, uh, you know, for for over a month now, working with Republicans on bringing together the ideas that can go through the legislative process uh, and fulfill the promise of many Republicans to repeal and replace Obamacare and actually provide health care that provides better access at lower cost. And, and we're seeing good progress in those in those discussions. They're ongoing. Um, the vice president has uh, spent a few days this week with family uh, prior to the departure on, a, on the 10 day trip to Asia. Uh, but even while he's uh, been, uh, you know, with family uh, away, he's also still working the phones, talking to Republicans. And what you're seeing is you're seeing Republicans really start to come together. Good progress is being made. And uh, as soon as they have a, a plan where they know that they can get through the legislative process, you'll start to see that happen. Will he still take those calls during this trip? He's a bunch of time zones away. Uh, you know, I have a feeling when the, when the, on this issue and on many other issues, when the vice president's phone rings, he will definitely pick it up. But it, do, it does get, I mean, it's, it, it, uh, I say it in jest, but, but Mark, I talked to one congressional official this week who said, you look at this, uh, trying to achieve things in the, last, in the first 100 days, they're worried that the, almost the balance of those last 100 days, first 100 days, will be consumed with the vice president's trip. They, they're worried about the fact that he's gone for so long because he's such a key member of this team. Uh, are, are you concerned that being focusing on this, national security, foreign policy, a big deal, are, does this stop you in any way or hurt your, your efforts to get something legislatively, substantively done in that first 100 days? 
No, I think what we're seeing is, I mean, Republicans, I think, are working behind the scenes on Capitol Hill with the leadership. Obviously, the, the vice president is playing a role, uh, you know, as he can to, to assist that and help bring people together. And he'll continue to do that. He, he won't be out of communication, uh, even though we will be half a world away. There will be plenty of opportunities for people and time where he can uh, where he can speak to those if it would definitely help move the process forward. Uh, but I think what you're seeing right now is Republicans working behind the scenes together on those issues, and uh, and I think that will continue, even though the vice president will be, uh, you know, in Asia working on the uh, national security and economic interests over there. He'll continue to be very much engaged uh, behind the scenes with things that are going on in Washington D.C. And there have been a, a, some mixed messaging about the legislative agenda, and then the priority here is it to get health care done, or are we moving on to tax reform? Does the vice president believe that health care has to be done first in order to get? Health care, or excuse me, in order to get tax reform done next. I don't think it, I don't think there's any kind of a of a set schedule. Obviously, it, it makes it a lot easier, and I think a lot of people, including the OMB director and uh, and leadership in Congress, have talked about if we're able to address health care before it. it frees up and gives us a better idea of the needs and the financial requirements that would be required as you are doing health, as you're doing tax reform, but if the Republicans aren't able to to move forward together on that plan, and even while they're doing it, obviously tax reform is also something that's very high on the on the president's priority list. It's important to the American people and to continue to grow our economy. And so you'll you'll see them move. But I mean, there is the ability to do more thing more than one thing at the same time. You know, there are many discussions going on right now about tax reform. At the same time, there are discussions going on about health care reform. And so all of those things can work in concert together uh, and and move and moving the president's agenda forward. So, Mark, you probably have to go pack. This is a crazy <laughs> trip. I don't even know how you prepare for all the places that you're going to be going, uh, starting in South Korea and, and ending up in Australia and everything in between. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Are you? Are you? How do you pack? Are you? Do you get advice on that? Does that come with the job? They say, "Well, this is how this is how you spend ten days <laughs> crossing all of these different countries from uh, spanning all of Asia." Uh, you know, uh, well, I haven't started packing yet, so that's on my to-do oh list. Oh, my God. Oh, man. We're leaving tomorrow morning. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, there, obviously, you know, you, you do rely on experience from people. Uh, you know, many of the people here in the administration have uh, have been with uh, previous uh, administrations, uh, you know, going back through the uh, the President Bush years. And, and, uh, and obviously, we also have advantage of, of many, uh, you know, career professionals who, uh, who were here during the previous administration that can offer help. Uh, you know, but this is going to be a great trip, and I'll tell you one thing. Thing that you know really hasn't gotten a lot of attention because obviously I think that you know the, the current news events have been kind of taking uh, precedent. This is also going to be a very personal trip for the vice president. Uh, it'll be his first trip to to South Korea, where his uh, late father actually served and earned a Bronze Star uh, during the Korean War. And I know that that's going to be something that is going to be a very uh, moving time and a very special time for the vice president when he gets there on Easter Sunday spend Easter Sunday with the troops, and uh, and then uh, we'll get to the business of uh, meeting with the uh, leadership and discussing other issues. But I know that's going to be a very special thing for the vice president. Mark Lauder, we appreciate the, the press secretary, the vice president, Mike Pence. Hope you're keeping a diary, sending postcards home, and everything along the way. These are re- really amazing experiences. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Safe Thank travels. you for having me. And Mary, a funny funny story about this. I remember taking a trip uh, with the, the Bush White House to Canada, and the briefing books that you get, the, the briefing that they, they sent even to reporters, explained that Canadians had an expression called A, 
and that it was sometimes <laughs> used at the end and, and was looking for agreement. And, and so I, I think it's good that the, that the State Department professionals provide that kind of guidance to our, uh, to our folks who travel on behalf of the government. Hey, yes, <laughs> indeed. Well, Mary, a lot, a lot happening here, and I just want to just dissect one thing that Mark told us, uh, which is uh, to, to look at right now what the legislative agenda is going to be, because it, it, I don't know that anyone knows where it's headed right now, and I don't think it's insignificant that the vice president is gone for a ten-day stretch here when they're trying to get things back on track. Uh, but what's your sense on the Hill? I mean, we're we've got a government shutdown looming. Uh, we have mixed messages from the White House about what's next uh, and a whole lot of talk without a lot of text. Is there, is there any rumbling right now halfway through this congressional recess that, that they can get a, an agenda back on track? I mean, there certainly is a desire. There certainly is the will and the interest to get something done on health care. But what that looks like and whether the concessions that have been offered are enough to get those holdout Freedom Caucus members on board just still remains to be seen. And again, they're still, you know, trying to find that balance because any concession you offer to the Freedom Caucusers risks the support of the moderates. Can they find that middle ground? But there's no question that there's this harsh political reality that as hard as health care is, tax reform may be even more difficult, especially if you don't get health care done first. You need those savings from health care to help pay for a big tax bill. And it's really hard to see how they're going to offset tax reform if they can't get something done on health care first. But, you know, perhaps the pressure of that 100-day clock ticking down, that desire, especially from the administration and the Republican Congress to have some big legislative win uh, before they hit that mark will will be enough pressure. Also, you know, members are at home right now. Maybe enough pressure can be put on from members, or excuse me, from their constituents, from people that they're talking with, especially at some of these town halls, which we're seeing are, yeah, are heating up. up. But it, it's really tough to see how they get any of this done, you know, in, in the four days after they get back. And and keep in mind that, that the world is not quiet. And they, they had the, the benefit of a relatively quiet first couple of months yeah. of the Trump administration. It's pretty remarkable how little the, the rumblings on the world stage. This is Trump having to turn to the world at the same time and adjust his, his views on that at the same time that you might try to push a legislative agenda. Presidency, is, as Donald Trump himself has said, a lot more complicated than you might think in some of these issues. And it seems like he's getting this kind of education on the job training. There is certainly a, a lengthy to-do list and a lot to get done. But we've also seen from this White House, they like to be firing on all cylinders on a lot of different uh, items at one time. That is not unusual for them. Uh, sometimes they seem to even invite trying to take on a lot of challenges all at one time. Uh, but this is certainly a, a different scenario from wh- what we have seen over the first uh, few months. Uh, not unusual for them. Not unusual for us either. That does it for today's Powerhouse Politics. You can rate and review the show at Apple Podcasts. It helps other people discover the show. And if you leave a comment about how much better uh, Mary and I are at this than John Carl. You get yes. that bonus points, special shout outs if because uh, we know you're listening all the way to the end. Today's show. You're ruthless. That's right. Wait, well, he's, he's not here, so it's okay. Today's show produced by David Ryan, Jordan Phelps, Angie Yak. Special shout out to Trevor Hastings, who's our pinch hitter all around uh, guru of, uh, of producing fame. That does it for this episode. Please listen to us next time here at Powerhouse Politics. Love being with you and uh, fun being with you, Mary. Thanks for having me.